0: Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success.
1: Hello and welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast Series brought to you by your CompTIA Business of Technology Communities Worldwide. My name is Gary Bixler. I'm the Vice President of Member Communities at CompTIA and I'm excited to be your host for this podcast series. Each week, uh, we plan to bring you a new podcast around interesting topics related to the business of tech. And each of those podcasts will in turn be brought to you by one of our unique CompTIA member communities from around the world. If you wanna be involved in those communities and are not already uh, an official member, then we would love to have you join us. You can always learn more at comptia.org and we'll say more about that at the end of the podcast. Today's podcast I think is a great topic. It's titled Putting the S back into MSP and it's brought to you by our managed services community. So I'd like to also introduce Miles Jobgen who manages that community for CompTIA. So welcome Miles.
2: Hi Gary, thanks for teeing us off today. This is uh, this is pretty cool. We got the the new BizTech brand. Um, I'm, I'm kind of honored to be the the selected first person.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, you are. You are. And it's a, such a worthy uh, candidate as well and a worthy topic. So I appreciate you being here. But before we get into the uh, great topic and introduce our guests, I, I have to step back and ask you about one of your quarantine projects that you've teased a few times to me. Um, and you know, in comparison, you know that I'm doing some pretty boring, typical home improvement projects. I'm building a dog run and remodeling a guest bathroom and stuff like that. I guess the one most exciting thing I did on a tech-related note was I did work with my cable guy, uh, sweated several hours worth, you know, pulling a brand new uh, cable through our attic and walls to our cable modem that dramatically improved a poor-performing home network. So, Uh, Definitely excited about that. A much needed improvement, but still pretty boring, (laughs) especially um, compared to what you have mentioned. So I've heard you mention uh, recently about a rather unique project you've chosen to undertake during this kind of confining quarantine. And I've been dying to ask you about it. If I understand it correctly, it's some kind of windmill. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's a wooden mechanical model. Um, so it's, a, it's from an organ- a company called uh, U-Gears. Uh, they've got a lot of them out there, actually, as I've kind of discovered this company, they got a lot of different of these kind of wooden models that are made, but it's, I- I'm done now, actually. I just finished it a little while ago. It's about, oh, I don't know, about wow. a foot and a half, almost two feet tall. Um, it's fully functional so you can kind of wind it up and and then the, the rubber band motor kind of tightens it up and, and then the, the windmill spins and it comes with the little Don Quixote and, and Sancho Panza so they can you know, <laughs> attack the windmill and, and such. But uh, <laughs> it kind of captures a lot of, a lot of things kind of like I'd never really heard of these before until you know locked out and I was just kind of bored and looking for something to occupy my hands and uh, I found this, you know, I was looking for different model kits and things like that. But this, the the artistry of it, kind of the the intricacy of all the different gears and how they fit together. I mean, it was, it was really impressive. Just thinking about like who designed this, you know, as I'm putting it together, it was really cool. But but because it captures some of the Don Quixote stuff, I'm a huge literature fan, and and so that was kind of nice. And so now it's got a nice spot by my books and everything. So, um, but it was re- it was really a good time. Um, one of the one of the things I think back the most interesting question I've gotten around like my work style has always been uh, if I prefer building something from scratch or following instructions, and like a lot of people automatically assume, well of course, I love to build from scratch and I was like that, and then I started to realize, well, wait a minute, I like to build IKEa furniture when I, when I get a new tool, the first thing I do is open the instruction manual, you know and, and so I just began realizing I'm like, wait a minute, I've kind of miscategorized myself as a of how I like, and I really do like you know, having something plotted out and being able to to figure it out, but follow along with these instructions. And, and this was a, just an excellent project for me. It just kind of hit all my buttons.
1: Yeah, that's, it sounds great. And it sounds like a good conversation piece. I grew up in the panhandle of Texas where we had a lot of windmills, but they were all designed to suck water out of the ground and, and water the cattle. It sounds like this is more just a, a conversation piece uh, for you, but it sounds like a, a great one. So I, and it actually, the complexity of it that you've described sounds like its own little piece of technology. So in that sense, um,
2: I think that's pretty cool. I was amazed that it worked at the end. I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible <laughs> carpenter. And so the fact that I didn't have to cut anything was good. Uh, but, you know, it all fit together. And then I wound it up and it worked. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. So <laughs> that was great.
1: Well, that's good. Well, and if nothing else, today we found the one person in the world who I'd heard existed that enjoys putting together IKEA furniture. So. <laughs> There we go. All right. Well, enough tilting at windmills, I suppose. Let's uh, let's get to the topic at hand here, and that is putting the S back in MSP. And you and I have previously discussed that I feel like, at least, MSP is one of those terms, those acronyms, if you will, that's become pretty overloaded over the past 10 years or so in our industry. If I were to ask the attendees at any large tech channel event these days. Uh, to raise their hand if they're an MSP, and I've actually done this several times in the last few years, you know, every hand would go up. Everyone is, or at least believes they are involved in delivering some kind of tech product as a service uh, these days, and they've adopted that MSP moniker. But uh, as your guest today will point out, the execution and delivery of kind of true services, business services that, that solve business problems from these providers, you know, varies greatly. So, and, and the, I think the reality is that those that have truly been able to continue the transformation, not just to an as a service recurring billing model, but to truly defining and delivering value added services. Those are the ones that are kind of meeting customer needs and thriving, it seems like so. Um, so with that said, I feel like you know you've got a great topic teed up today, and um, I know you've got a couple of great guests lined up for the discussion as well, and both of them I believe are from your MSP Community Executive Council. So why don't you introduce us uh, to the topic and to Amy and Eric, and let them take it away from there?
2: You bet! You bet! So, yeah, we do have uh, Amy Babinchak with, uh, humor, excuse me, Harvard Computer Services and Eric Anthony with SolarWinds MSP. They are both on the executive executive council with the managed services community. Um, and, and as Gary mentioned, we're, we're, we're trying to just dig into a little bit of, you know, focusing on service as that core piece of your business model, not just that billing model. So I don't want to take away the thunder from Amy and Eric. So I'd love to kick it off here uh, with Amy and just... Amy, can you uh, go ahead and, and define the challenge that that we're looking at uh, kind of down into simple terms
0: sure the well the challenge is that I've talked to a lot of MSPs lately as things are shifting from on premises you know where where we as MSPs really were in the monitoring and and, and updating and managing model. Uh, to bringing in of the cloud applications and customer expectations are really changing in that they now want us, you know, it's not enough just to monitor something in there or to do the old school IT thing of installing a piece of software and saying, here you go, customer, it's been installed for you. A now wants you to um, help them with their business in that software, like how do I use this software to better my business? What do you know, what do I do? And I've seen a I've seen and talked to a lot of MSPs that are telling me like that's just eating into my profits. I don't have a way to to bill for that. You know, they're charging on a fixed per per seat kind of model, and it has a certain profit built into it. And if the customer asks for for a, a service that they didn't intend to provide, they they get find themselves kind of stuck, like because uh, uh, the the a lot of times if you've only shifted from a break fixed billing model to a reoccurring b- billing model, and that's as far as you went in calling yourself an MSP. Uh, to get to this new level, you have to relook at everything, and that's really where a lot of MSPs are finding themselves at this point, and. Um, I can tell you from running my own MSP, they're starting to lose clients because of it, because I'm picking them up. <laughs> and that's kind of what, what led me to this realization of, I'm getting calls from potential new clients saying, hey, our our current IT provider, uh, you know, transitioned just over to 365, but all we got was email and OneDrive and, Uh, You know, we know there's a lot more out there and we're not sure how to use this cloud stuff and we keep asking them and they just say, it's there, just go use it. And that's not the answer that they're looking for. And so uh, they're looking around for people that have a deeper level of skill set to provide them actual what I call service um, and not just the manage part, right? I mean, service is our middle name. That's where we have to focus on providing real business services.
3: Yeah, I think when um, you said it best, Amy, when uh, you said recently in something, I think it was the introduction video that you did, uh, with, we want to put the S back in managed services. And I think that's absolutely true. I think it's something that we need to pursue uh, because a lot of the value comes out of the service. The value doesn't come out of the products that, or the tools that the MSP is using. The product comes out of the end result that the end user gets from the technologies and the services that the msp is providing now i think there's been an evolution that's kind of got us to this point because back in the day and and we were both there in the early stages of managed services where a lot of times we were just we were delivering products and we were managing those products uh, but really we didn't have much to do unless they broke and so that was a model and back then it worked however just like you pointed out a lot of things have moved to more of a service model than a product model. So we have these things like Office 365 that are a service in the cloud that now a lot of MSPs don't have the skill set to manage and train and do all the things that are necessary to keep the customer fully engaged with that service that really has a great impact on their business.
0: Yeah, I actually have a phrase that I use in my in my company that, um, I have several phrases <laughs> that I use to manage my business, but one of these is um, and this is the the kind of the driving reason for our existence I always say IT has no purpose other than to make business great and it's our job our job as an MSP to make our clients great and so that's our that's our that's our purpose for being and you know we can 't do that if our our only Focus is, you know, pushing out patches. Uh, you know, that doesn't make a business great. What makes a business great is helping helping that business owner achieve their their dreams and their dreams and wishes and goals. And so that's that's our focus. Uh, in doing that, uh, it does require a different type of staff, which is something that we might want to um, kind of transition this talk into a little bit now. Um, you know, if they're, I agree with you on the tool thing, right? We all have these tools that we use to help automate and do things efficiently. Um, and to my my use of those tools is, let's use the tools to get those things out of the way so that we can do our real job, because our real job is to make the business great. And you know, once once we've rolled something out, we're keeping it patched, we're keeping it secure. That's all stuff that yeah, we have to do that because we're IT people let's use tools and get that stuff out of the way so we can focus on our real work, which is making the the client's business great.
3: Absolutely. In fact, a lot of what I do and and one of the other head nerds uh, does is we focus a lot on automation and that's exactly it. It's using those tools uh, that we get from vendors in order to automate the things that we have to do on a regular basis, just as a standard baseline as IT service providers so that then we can focus on the business needs of the client rather than just the IT needs.
0: Yes, in um, in doing so, we saw a lot of MSPs get stuck at that point though, right? They they, they bought the, and, and I know you're on the vendor side, but I'm gonna say it anyway, they bought the, the message hook, line and sinker Here's how you can make money with our product. You're going to automate all this stuff, and you're going to just hire some low-paid help desk guys to run it because it's clickety-click, stupid, simple, and anybody can do it. Uh, and then that's kind of where, where, where the firms that are now having issues, that's where they stopped, right? And what they have, they don't necessarily have the staff and the, with the skill set to do the higher value items, that is going to take their business in into the well into the future now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we have some presentations that we've recently done on this in terms of using that, the tools to do that type of work that we're talking about, not to decrease your cost necessarily, but to increase the amount of time that your technicians have to work on project work, the more complicated. the the things that are actually going to move the clients forward in terms of gaining benefits to their business. I also think that some of this comes from the old model of one of the big benefits of selling managed services to a customer was the evening out of the cash flow that they were paying us, right? when In my experience as an MSP, my easiest managed services sales back in the day, and this is we're talking a decade ago, uh the easiest way to sell was when they had had some type of preventable catastrophic event and i'm like well you know yes you just had to pay me five thousand dollars but you wouldn't have had to do that if you were on a managed services model and we were taking care of those things Mm -hmm. now that model has changed significantly because the greatest threat to a business owner is no longer cash flow. It's still there. It's still you know a moderate threat. But security and keeping up with the customer in a highly competitive environment is even more important nowadays because at the speed at which their business moves now, we have to give them business benefits that give them a competitive edge over their competitors. We also, at the same time, have to provide them with security that's going to make sure that they don't have a, a, a serious incident.
0: Yeah, I think a problem that a lot of MSPs are gonna run into, they may, you know, they may agree with you in that message that you just said, and I certainly do, but I see the way that a lot of firms are staffed. And they're staffed with people that don't have the skill set to go beyond, you know, the level one help desk. And so they've got a situation where they have the majority of their staff is a low level of skill and they have maybe one or two engineers on staff and a lot of times those are old school style engineers that have been deploying networks and servers and you know all that kind of stuff. But they're missing that component of that person that is is the front face who is interacting with clients who can sure solve their help desk issue but also recognize patterns in that business, recognize opportunities um, to provide that additional value add and then have the training and skills to actually implement those things. Now, you could choose to make those two different levels, but um, in my business, I make that the the same person right in my mind <clears throat> that help desk person that somebody calls and says i can't print that is the face of my company that's who that's who they most often interact with right they very rarely directly interact with me except at you know different high level meetings but every day they interact with that that frontline help desk person if that person doesn't know how to sell and talk to the customer about our high level solutions of how to Automate business processes using the software that they've already have and own as part of their 365 suites or other software that the that the company is using. Um, then we're losing out on opportunities, and that customer isn't going to perceive a lot of value in in what we're delivering them. Yeah, we're making sure that they print and they're not having downtime, but um, increasingly customers are are realizing that that's not enough anymore.
3: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's almost analogous to the tools uh, where we leaned on the tools so much to provide the services and kind of become hands off. I think we've kind of done that same thing with our help desk because we don't have the expertise in the help desk in order to provide that type of service to the customer. What we've done is we've taken the help desk and tiered it down so that we can reduce our costs and hire very low level people where we should be more cognizant of the relationship between the help desk and our end users so that we can better provide actual help rather than just fixing a problem.
0: Mm -hmm. This really really came to a head recently with um, when Microsoft released Microsoft Teams so that product was released a little over two years ago, and it's their most wildly popular product that they've has ever been released by Microsoft. Its numbers have blown everything out of the out of the water, um, and so we've seen this a tremendous amount of interest in that product, and um, but we're 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 getting customers coming in saying, "Hey, we want to start to use this thing." We watched those. Videos from Microsoft, and they're actually customers are actually watching those inspirational videos that Microsoft puts together, and they say, Hey, we bought this we bought this three hundred sixty five solution, and in these videos we see people you know taking their tablets and orders and doing things automatically and you know automated processes and all this stuff going on and we we haven't been able to figure out how to do any of that and every time we ask our our i t provider about it, they say Oh yeah, it does that, just go ahead and, and you know use it. And that um, and so it really made has made this big shift that if your if your frontline desk is still out there supporting the old solution, but you actually have now deployed a new solution um, but never implemented it, your clients have noticed. Uh, and they've noticed that you haven't implemented this solution and it. It will come back on you as as the MSP of you know why didn't you do this? The expectation that they have is that they bought they bought into a program that isn't just going to do things in the background, but that it's going to do amazing things for their business as well. And so uh, your client expectations have changed, and if your if your billing model doesn't match the client expectations then you have a, a really big problem on your hands. I think the way to resolve this, and maybe let's talk about a couple of solutions, um, can, kind of wrap this wrap this up. Um, you know, those, those QBRs, right, those quarterly business reviews, um, it's a struggle. Though, <laughs> so speaking as an MSP that has nine people in her company, uh, fairly typical size for a successful MSP that's been around for a while, Um, I, we do not have the bandwidth to go around to every one of our clients and hold a quarterly business meeting. So in, you know, we, we, we're challenged to do that. We do as much of it as we possibly can, but there's no way we're going to get to everybody quarterly. I would have people doing nothing but that. And that's not an accept We'd like have no no way to implement the things that we talked about at the meeting because we'd spend so much time in the meeting. Um, and so I'm really relying on my frontline text to to do the brunt of that work. And so training that frontline staff to to be aware of it, to be able to implement it, to to be part of that service delivery level has been absolutely critical to, to our success.
3: Yeah, so that's a skill set, right? For, for those techs, uh, for your techs to be able to uh, get that information out of their clients, uh, they have to recognize those things and that's a certain skill set that's not necessarily inherent in a technically oriented person. So are there some things that maybe you do to instill those skill sets into your employees?
0: Uh, yeah, you know one of the things that i that I tell them is um you're not a mechanic, right Mechan- nobody needs mechanics anymore in this industry you're a I'm hiring you to be a consultant, and yes you're gonna you're going to answer the question of, hey, I can't print, I need to print um, but you need to be able to think bigger in the world, and so what I do is constant training. Uh, we do training every single week in my company as a group with the techs. And we're doing about three hours a week. Um, and so during and during the interesting thing is during those trainings, we you know we may be watching a video, we may be discussing a topic. Um, and I and this culture develops over time, but we have a culture here where the techs feel very free to ask questions during that process. So we may watch a one hour, one hour video. And during the course of that one hour video, we will spend three hours watching that thing because everybody's jumping in with questions. Well, what did they actually mean when they said that? How do I implement that? Hey, how would that work at this client? Oh, I've got, I, you know, I did some work with this other client and I I don't know how I would implement that there or is this an appropriate thing for them? And so we have a lot of that conversation going on and that freedom to ask, the freedom to know and the freedom to be able to do it for the customer like don't ask me let's go out and do it Um, and so that that has really been a a powerful thing in in my MSP and I I really key in on that training aspect as a way that they continually to they continue to grow as an IT professional and not just a technical person
3: and I think that's a really critical point is I and I see this in a lot of the MSPs that I talk to, is the most successful MSPs have some type of regular, planned training schedule for all their employees. Uh, we hit on it with this type of skill set, which is more of a, a soft skill set, an interpersonal skill set of being able to relate to customers, and kind of dig into root source causes even while they're dealing with just simple, regular, everyday help desk tickets. But it also extends to that Microsoft Teams example uh, that you gave, which is really important because Teams touches on so many different things and it becomes so integrated into our daily business lives. For those of us who use it, uh, I know all of my internal calls today are done on Teams, every single one of them, probably two thirds of my internal meetings are done on teams now rather than something like webex uh, we 're using it as a communication collaboration uh, you know it 's so integral to everything that I do on a daily basis and it 's going to provide that same benefit to the customer. But if the technicians are not trained on the basic voice over IP type technologies, uh, you know how to optimize a network connection to make sure that voices Doing well, or that video is doing well. Uh, you know, all of those things mean that we constantly need to evolve the technical skill sets as well as the soft skill sets of our employees.
0: Mm-hmm. You hit on something there. They said that you're using Teams, and so you recognize all of the things it can do. and. Um, we are using Teams, and so when it came time to roll out Teams for our clients, I mean, we started with it. Microsoft released it; we started to use it. The writing to me was already on the wall that this was going to be a technology that um, that was going to be a game changer. And I said to said to my team, I said, "Microsoft says that this thing is going to replace email," and they all laughed, and you know, they were like, "No way! No way! No way!" I'll tell you what, it has replaced. Nearly a hundred percent of our phone calls internally, right We're using it as our really as an internal phone system without having to pay anything additional because we can just chat back and forth and have short impromptu meetings. Um, and also it actually did replace almost all of our internal email. It's all gone off into teams as uh, into different channels and chats and things. Um, and we have no more emails from internal. The only things that happen on on email now is communications to to clients and uh, as their clients adopt the team 's product more fully as part of their three hundred sixty five experience, some of those communications that we 're seeing from clients are also now shifting into teams as as we 're doing uh, you know guest networks and things like that so But having my staff use it and force it. Now, when I put it out there, I said, all right, we're going to start to use Teams. Microsoft says this thing can replace email. We're going to give it a go. Do not send any email. (laughs) If you need somebody internally, call them on Teams, message them on Teams. Let's give this a go and see if it works. And, oh, there was a lot of griping and, and, you know, this is never going to work, da-da-da-da-da. But today, I could never get them to go back to the old way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree
2: that's great you know just as a <clears throat> story to share from contia we, we we rolled out um, slack prior to uh, getting the the 365 in us and it's the same type of, of change right we, we went over to, to that to say hey let's use this for our internal communication don't send internal emails and and it does take some uh, you know, a little culture change, right? Of of learning what the best techniques to use and stuff. But it gets back to your point around it's that skilling, it's identifying the skill gap, it's identifying the tool that can help maybe fill that skill gap, but along with training and stuff like that. So, that's a great example of of kind of how uh, a new technology can roll out that impacts you know an MSP's business model, right? And, and okay, how do we adapt to this and all those kinds of things? So this was, this was a. Um, very uh, helpful, I think, beneficial conversation here, and we can continue this on. Um, I, I had some thoughts around, you know, different things that our our uh, council can be doing to to kind of continue to spread this message. Maybe we can look at, um, you know, skills and, and traits and stuff that that people should be looking for in their frontline techs or in their business analysts and things like that. Um, and we can provide some more education and guidance in that for uh, for our MSPs to be successful. All right. Thank you um, very much to, to both Amy and Eric uh, for being here today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, uh, the man managed services community is, is going to continue to be putting out more um, content. Um, stuff from CCF that uh, was now virtual, we'll be able to, to continue to put that out as well. Um, so do stay tuned uh, to CompTIA and, and sign up to the managed services community roster. If you're more interested in in hearing more from us and uh, getting more education and content that way, we've got lots of great resources available right now. Um, Incident response planning guides and uh, standards and things like that to help kind of build your business in a a great way. And that's gonna be our main focus this year is really on those best practices uh, for an MSP to, uh, to get their clients to be as successful as they need to be. So um, again, thank you, Amy and Eric, and thank you everybody for listening and uh, please do join the community. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech Podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities and councils, visit comptia.org slash membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast.